And good morning. It is nine minutes past seven o'clock on a Sunday morning. I'm Susie Jones. Back in the saddle, Josh. Josh Wheeler at the helm this morning. Good morning. Charlie Weiss. Last Sunday, I was suffering greatly with influenza. Did you know I had that? Influenza, the real deal. Not fun. Not fun. And someone asked me yesterday, was I vaccinated? Did I get the shot, the flu shot? I did not, so... It is on me that I suffered that badly because I believe the flu shot oftentimes can ease the symptoms. They don't necessarily keep you from getting it, but you don't hurt as bad, and I hurt bad. I've been fortunate that I've never had the flu Whew. ever, Well, I and, I, and I get my shot probably every other year. I used to be very regular with it, but I don't get my shot every single year. Well, now but. everyone should get their shot based on how badly I felt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're we are talking about all things health. Mine just off the bat, thanking Denny Long last weekend for filling in. We're talking this week about uh, allergies and being allergic to kinds of food. There's a story out of New York where a professional dancer, I believe, was eating something that was labeled wrong. It said, I believe, it was nut free, and it turned out to have nuts, and she died of a. I never say this right. Anaphylactic shock, or obviously, her, I believe her throat closed up. And we thought it's a good time to talk about that. Um, what you need to know, if maybe you are someone who has allergies, food allergies, even with this weather, maybe we're having this spring kind of weather allergies with this strange weather. So we've invited to the program Dr. Pramod Kelkar, who was with Alina Healthcare Systems, and he is an allergy specialist. Dr. Kelkar, thank you for coming on with us today. Yeah, good morning to you and good morning to our listeners. Yes. Well, we're happy to have you on. Let's talk about the situation uh, in the news. I believe it was a story in USA Today about the dancer who died from eating something that he should not have or she should not have? Yes. You know, these are common causes of reactions in patients with food allergy. If someone has food allergy and if they accidentally eat certain type of food that has contamination from nuts or whatever things they are, they are allergic to, they are at a risk of having a life-threatening reaction. We call that as anaphylaxis. And... Obviously, this person trusted the label. Um, do you see that? I mean, is there mislabeling that's happening out there? And, and what is a person to do if they can't trust the, the label? You know, it's very uncommon to have mislabeling because nowadays there are laws and you are mandated to declare allergenic foods on the label. So if something has nuts in it, the companies are mandated to declare that. That's by law. But keep in mind, sometimes the stores will keep, you know, cookies or something like that, like a homemade sort of a section, and that's where the law doesn't apply. If, like, it's a freshly baked item, then you need to check with the bakery or you need to check with the person who has made that food if there are any ingredients like nuts or other things that people are allergic to. So one common advice we give patients and people who are allergic to foods is, if someone comes to your house with a cookie that has a secret ingredient, never eat that cookie until you know exactly what that secret ingredient is. And Dr. Kelkar, how many people roughly do we know suffer from, let's just say, a peanut allergy? Is that more and more common these days? 
Yeah, peanut allergy is one of the most common food allergies, but you know, people can be allergic to many different types of foods. They can be other nuts like almonds, cashews, pistachios, shellfish like shrimp, crab, lobster. People can be allergic to milk or eggs, a variety of foods. About 25% of the population is allergic to either environmental allergies like pollens or allergic skin conditions or foods. But if you are specifically talking about foods only, then the percentage is approximately 5 to 8% of the population has some sort of food allergy. And again, if you're just tuning in this morning on this Sunday morning, we're talking to Dr. Pramod Kelkar with Alina Health System, and he is an allergy specialist. And we, as always, invite you listening to join in. The number is 651 461 9226. Again, it is 651 461 9226. And we are talking about allergies, whether it is, as you say, pollen, perhaps it is a food allergy of some kind. I had a question, my mom and I were talking about having you on this morning, and we were talking about gluten and how now so many people are gluten-free, and I, we wondered about that as an allergy. So the question is, are people that are gluten-free, are they allergic to wheat, and it, or is it trendy? Kind of give us your take on this whole gluten-free idea. So when we say allergy, you know, actually we divide food reactions into three different sections. One type of reaction from food is called food allergy, which is a life-threatening reaction to food where you eat wheat or egg or milk or egg or nuts, and you have a life-threatening reaction like throat closing, shortness of breath, coughing, wheezing, vomiting. You have to rush to the emergency room. In medicine, we call that as food allergy. There is another type of reaction from food. We call that as food intolerance. In this case, people eat the food, for example, wheat and gluten, or they eat lactose from milk, and they have abdominal pain, bloating, diarrhea. In medicine, we call that as intolerance. And then there is a third type of reaction where people can be sensitive to foods, meaning they eat the food and they get headache, for example, you know, people sometimes eat cheese or banana or something like that. They will headache. We call that as food sensitivity. When lay people talk about food reactions, they call everything as allergy. But in medicine, we separate that into three components, food allergy, food intolerance, and food sensitivity. And the reason to separate that is because food allergy is life-threatening. Food intolerance can cause digestive issues, but it's not life-threatening. And food sensitivity can cause nuisance like headache and other problems, but again, it is not life-threatening. So your question about wheat and gluten, that will be considered as food intolerance because it will typically cause digestive issues, bloating, abdominal pain, diarrhea. And yes, we are seeing more and more patients who are what we call as gluten intolerant. Some of those patients may have very severe form of gluten intolerance we call that as celiac disease. Celiac disease, that we've heard of, have we not? And for people that have gluten intolerance and celiac, it can be awful for them in terms of, as you say, digestive issues. And so, so many people are sort of choosing to not have that in their diet anymore 
for that reason, do you think? Yes, it's becoming more and more common. We see patients when they eat wheat and gluten, they will get digestive issues. Sometimes people feel that if they eliminate wheat and gluten from their diet or if they reduce the amount of gluten that they're eating, they will feel more energy. They will have less fatigue and tiredness. We do see that in medical practice. We don't call that as food allergy technically. We call that as food intolerance and food sensitivity. Okay. Uh, we're getting near our first break. The phone number to call if you have a question for Dr. Kelkar, 651-461-9226. We're talking about allergies, particularly food, but also um, we're also talking about outside allergies. As you say, pollen with this warm weather, I wonder what you're seeing in terms of kind of our bodies are confused by this weather. 651-461-9226. You can call and ask it, or you can actually just text as well, and we'll, we'll take your call that way. It is 718 on News Talk 830 WCCO. And we are back. It is 721 on a Sunday morning. My name is Susie Jones. Happy to have you with us. If you just tuned in, we're talking about allergies, food allergies, outside allergies. Dr. Pramod Kelkar is with us. He is with Alina Healthcare Systems and he's talking about allergies. And we've invited you to be part of the show as well at 651-461-9226. You can use that phone number to either text us or call us 651-461-9226. And Dr. Kelkar, we have a question from a listener why do I get stuffed up during the night, which goes away after I get up in the morning? I think a lot of people are stuffy at night. Is there anything to that? You know, this can be from many different causes. Some patients can have allergies to indoor allergens. That can be a cat or a dog in the house, or people can have allergy to dust mites. They are present in the carpet, mattress, pillow that can cause nose and sinus congestion. There are other causes for nose and sinus congestion, you know, like sinusitis and others. So there can be many causes. Allergies is one of them. Very good. Well, thank you for that question to our listener. The next uh, texter writes, I start choking if I eat fried rice. I've had to even go to the emergency department. They say I should not eat foods with MSG. Do you, have you heard of that before? Yeah, MSG is one of the substances that can cause food intolerance. So it can cause choking sensation. Sometimes it can cause abdominal pain, what flushing is, what type is, of reaction. What is MSG? Monosodium glutamate. Ah, okay. So okay. sometimes it's used in foods to enhance the flavor. Mm, okay, okay. But, you know, the other thing people need to keep in mind is if people are choking on the food, there are conditions that affect the food pipe. Mm. Um and that can create choking sensation when you are eating. So if that is a frequent occurrence for you, you may want to talk to your primary care doctor, perhaps get a referral to see a gastroenterologist, because there are certain conditions that affect the food pipe, and you may benefit from endoscopy if you are getting frequent choking on the food. Oh, that's good to know. So good for good advice for that listener. I this texture writes, years ago, we never heard about things like peanut allergies. What, if anything, has changed to make so many allergic to peanuts? You know, that's a million-dollar question. <laughs> I mean, scientists are still looking at it. We don't quite understand, uh, you know, why some people develop allergy and why some people don't. And allergies, especially the food allergies, 
seem to be more common in the Western world as compared to the developing countries like India, China, and even in Israel, uh, peanut allergy is not that common. So people have looked at how the peanut is consumed. In some of these developing countries, peanut is consumed in a boiled form and not necessarily roasted form. So that was one of the things scientists were looking at in the past. But the jury is still out. We don't understand fully why some people develop allergies and why some people don't. It may have to do with change in gut microbiome. And again, jury is still out. Uh, scientists are looking at that. Six five one four six one nine two two six. We're talking to Dr. Pramod Kelkar with Alina Health Systems about allergies, food or otherwise. A texter writes on a recent flight, the airline announced before boarding that no peanuts would be served because one passenger was allergic. That person, the, this texter writes, it seems like an overreaction. Would you consider that to be an overreaction, or are they just being? Yeah, I'll let you respond. You know, that's hard to say. Generally speaking, we find that when people have anaphylaxis, it generally happens after eating the peanut, um, not necessarily inhaling the peanut. Having said that, there are case reports in the medical literature, and certainly we have seen in the news media of somebody inhaling the peanut and getting anaphylaxis. But I would say those instances are extremely, extremely, extremely rare. Now, keep in mind that when somebody has an allergic reaction when they are flying, obviously the airline doesn't want to take any chances because when you are flying, you don't want to use that as a scientific laboratory to prove whether it is a true allergic reaction or not an allergic reaction. So I think they are doing the right thing or keeping the uh, planes peanut-free to Mm -hmm. minimize the risk of reaction. The next texture says, how do I determine if I am allergic to eggs? I don't feel well after eating them. That's from Daryl and Annandale. Thanks for the question, Dale. Um, And would that go back to your categories of life-threatening, intolerant, and sensitive? Yes, that is absolutely correct. So in that case, you probably want to discuss this with your primary care provider. If you have symptoms other than gastrointestinal symptoms like throat closing, shortness of breath, coughing and wheezing right after egg, that would indicate food allergy. But if you mostly have symptoms affecting digestive tract like nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain, bloating, or generally not feeling well but no respiratory issues, it may not be anaphylaxis, it may not be food allergy. Here we are talking more about food intolerance. Now, even if you have food intolerance, keep in mind you still have to avoid the food, but you will not need EpiPen. You will not have a life-threatening reaction. If you accidentally happen to eat it, it will cause nuisance, but not a life-threatening reaction. All right, very good. The next texter writes, Susie, good morning. Celiac here. What a great explanation the doctor gave about the spectrum of food reactions. It is also a reminder of how hard it is to determine restaurant and menu items uh, that that might that is tough isn't it when you're out to a restaurant to sort of be able to actually figure out what's in the items that you want to eat yes that's a that's a tough thing but nowadays many restaurants are putting you know gluten-free labels on their menu items so it's always a good idea to check with the server uh, and then they can check with the chef in the kitchen so I think restaurants are improving these days in terms of labeling items on the on the menu. 
Again, if you're just tuning in, we're talking to Dr. Pramod Kelkar with Alina Health Systems. The phone number, if you have a question for the doctor on allergies, is 651-461-9226. We're going to take a break and do weather. And I just before we take our break, the weather that we're having, I just glanced up at the television station and they showed the week of weather. And we're again in the 50s all week. What does this strange winter what has it done to your practice? Are you seeing people that are having reactions to outdoor items that maybe they wouldn't have had in, at this time of year? Is it strange to see? Not yet, but I won't be surprised if we start seeing patients with spring pollen allergies sooner this year than ever before. Very good. All right, we'll take that quick break. And remember, we've got time for more of your questions and calls at 651-461-9226. We're back right after this. And we are back. We are talking this hour, this Sunday, about allergies, whether it's food allergies or outside allergies. Dr. Pramod Kelkar is our guest. He is an allergy specialist in the Alina Healthcare System. And we have a number of people with text questions. And one caller didn't want to go on the air, doctor, but asked about histamine intolerance. Uh, first of all, what is histamine? And ex- kind of explain what people struggle with with it. Histamine is one of the chemicals that's released by a variety of cells in the body when somebody has allergic reaction and it will cause symptoms like itching, swelling, redness. If the histamine is released in the nose and sinus, you will get sneezing, runny nose. If it's released in the eyes, itchy eyes, watery eyes, red eyes. It's one of the common chemicals that's released in the allergic reactions. And when we take medications that are available over the counter now, like Zyrtec, Allegra, Claritin, we are essentially blocking this histamine response, and that's why patients start feeling better. All right, very good. 651-461-9226. Let's take a phone call. Barb is calling this morning from Lionel Lakes. Hi, Barb. How are you? Hi, good. Thank you for taking my call. No problem. Your question for the doctor? Okay, I have two different problems I've developed. The first one has to do with cornstarch. It started out with cornstarch, like if you had oriental food and stuff, and first I thought it was the... Um, MSG. I think, yeah, but it, then I start, so I quit eating it, and I thought I'll make my own food at home, and I had some sauce, or, you know, lots of liquid, so I added the little cornstarch, and I got sick again. Mm. What happens is... Um, I eat it, and I get a real bad stomach ache, and then it starts coming up like foam out my mouth. I'm just, it got all this foam coming out of my mouth. And um, I then I just found out I couldn't eat corn. The cob it was happening with, but I could eat certain corn items like um, popcorn and um, once in a while a corn muffin. You know, but anyway, and then the other thing I'm having trouble with I started thinking I was lactose intolerant and because I was eating a couple of different dairy things that I was kind of bloating from, like ice cream or whatever. And when I went for my last um, colonoscopy, I had asked, I thought, you know, better ask somebody like that. They might know. And he said, you know, he asked if I could eat ice or um, 
cheese and milk and mm. different you know, other dairy products. And I said, yeah, I was fine. He said, it's got to be something they're putting in the item. So I started paying attention and reading all the labels. And I found out the new thing that they've been putting in dairy food is that carrageen. It's a red seaweed. And um, so now I have to look at everything because they're not just putting it in yogurt and ice cream. They're putting it, I found it in cottage cheese. Okay. Even We're, some, I mean, you know. Yeah, let's let the doctor respond. That sure. was a good question, but yep. thanks for calling, Barb. And uh, what is your re- response to that story? You know, what Barb described is a classical case of food intolerance or food sensitivity. In this case, people will be able to tolerate certain types of corn or certain types of a particular food, but not other types. For example, some people will be okay with corn on the cob, but they will not be able to tolerate corn flour, or they will not be able to tolerate corn processed in the food, but they can tolerate other forms of the same food. That's classic case of food intolerance and food sensitivity. One thing people need to remember about that is this is not necessarily lifelong. It can change over time. For example, last year, you may be able to tolerate corn on the cob, but this year you may have issues from it, or vice versa. You may have issues last year from it, but this year you may be able to handle it okay. One thing I would like to say is that if you are having trouble from multiple foods, not just one or two foods, then certainly you can eliminate those foods from your diet to feel better. But then that's the time you probably want to check with your primary care provider because then you don't want to miss some other diagnosis for which treatment is available. Because when you start avoiding foods, today you are avoiding one food, tomorrow you are avoiding two, day after tomorrow, three, four, five, and then it becomes a never-ending story. So at some point, you have to look at what's causing this problem and address it. If it's just one or two foods, fine, you can avoid it and continue to feel better. Thank you. That was great. Uh, The next texter writes, um, this is a good one. Can you explain what celiac disease is, and you might have done this last half hour, and what causes it, if we know, and is it hereditary? Yes, it's possible that there are some uh, genetic factors involved in celiac disease. Essentially, what happens is the lining of the gut changes. And when the lining of the gut changes, it can create responses to wheat and gluten. And those responses can be abdominal pain, bloating, diarrhea. Some people who have celiac disease will also get certain types of skin rashes. And if you do have celiac disease, then definitely you should not eat any type of wheat and gluten because if you have celiac disease and if you continue to eat wheat and gluten on a frequent basis, then you're increasing your risk of getting lymphoma. So that's very important to keep in mind. That is important because I think sometimes when we do our categories about food allergies, the life-threatening ones, the intolerant ones, and the sensitivity ones, I tend to think maybe I'm wrong, but if it if you just have an intolerance or sensitivity, wouldn't you just not eat those foods? Because yeah, I mean because it makes common sense, right? That's right. So if you just have wheat and gluten intolerance, but you don't have celiac disease, and you continue to eat wheat and gluten occasionally, you will probably have nuisance with symptoms, 
but that may or may not increase your risk of lymphoma. But if you have a clear-cut diagnosis of celiac disease, and then you continue to eat wheat and gluten on a frequent basis, that's when we have the potential risk. Very good. Again, our guest is Dr. Pramod Kelkar with Alina Healthcare Systems. The number to call or text if you have a question for the doctor is 651-461-9226. This texter writes, I have post-nasal drip this time of year. Could that be a symptom of food allergy or intolerance? So post-nasal drip essentially can come from allergies, It can come from sinus issues like sinusitis, or it can also come from silent reflux. So there are many causes for post-nasal drip. If it is allergies, then obviously we need to find out about allergies by doing testing and then treat them. If it is sinusitis, we need to figure that out by examination, sometimes CT scan of the sinus and treat it. If it is silent reflux causing post-nasal drip, then we need to take care of that by change of diet, because there are certain foods that will trigger silent reflux, like alcohol, soda pop, juice, chocolate, cheese, snacking at bedtime, that's a big thing. If you snack at bedtime, two to three hours before bed, if you snack, it has higher risk of silent reflux triggering post-nasal drip. And some patients with silent reflux causing post-nasal drip will also need to take medications to control it. So again, it depends on what is causing post-nasal drip. There could be many causes. Important thing will be to pinpoint the cause and then to treat it. How do you test for celiac disease? That's a question from a listener. Celiac disease, there is a basic blood test. We call that as a screening test. That blood test can be ordered by your primary care provider. If the blood test is negative, but if you suspect celiac disease, then the gold standard test is endoscopy and biopsy, and you will need to see a gastroenterologist for that. What about being allergic to sugar? Are people, like, I'll just say my mom has staying away from sugar because she notices that it affects her thinking. It can get in the way of her having clear thoughts. Yeah, so again, you know, Sugar, we won't call that as allergy. We would call that as more like a food sensitivity. And many patients, when they reduce the amount of sugar in the diet, they will feel better in terms of their energy levels. Some people have improvement in their brain fog sensation. Yes, that's all true, but it's more classified as food sensitivity, not as food allergy. 651-461-9226, if you have a question for our doctor, Um, This texter writes, I feel horrible after I drink red wine. Even a sip or two can make me feel horrible. Um, What do you make of, I mean, is that, that's obviously a sensitivity. Is that the kind of thing you just stay away from then to the best of your ability? Yes. Some people can have reactions from alcohol like flushing, jitteriness, rapid heart rate, Sometimes this can happen because your body is not able to process alcohol as it used to before. There are certain enzymes in our body called alcohol dehydrogenase, aldehyde dehydrogenase, and others that help us break down alcohol. If these enzymes are not working properly, then some people will have issue with breaking down alcohol and metabolizing alcohol, and they will get reactions like this. 
And these are the same people who may have tolerated alcohol in significant quantities before, but now their body has changed and they will start developing symptoms. Some people develop symptoms just from red wine, but some people develop symptoms from all types of alcohol. Unfortunately, there is no test for that. The best test in this situation is a real life test. That means yeah. people have to drink a little bit and see what happens. Obviously, if they can't handle it, um, they need to not drink that alcohol that is causing reaction. Yeah, that's therein lies the rub. Uh, a texter writes, good morning, Susie. Can you please have the doctor talk a little more about that? Is it uh, carrageen that, that Barb asked you about um, that was found in dairy and other foods? I, too, have issues with some of what Barb from Lionel Lakes was talking about. Yeah, carrageenan or carrageenan is one of the additives that's put in uh, sometimes in yogurt. It can also be found in a variety of ice creams and other dairy products. Some people can have sensitivity from that. It's not very common, but it's, uh, it's possible to have sensitivity to those things. All right, we will take our final break of the hour. It is 7.45 on News Talk 830 WCCO on this hour that we dedicate to health each and every week. And we love you being part of the show. You can call 651-461-9226 or you can text it because we'll have a couple minutes left on the other side of this break to follow up with more questions on News Talk 830 WCCO. And we are back with the final segment of the program today, talking about allergies, whether it's a food allergy or an outside allergy. In the different categories, life-threatening, intolerant, and sensitive, our guest is Dr. Pramod Kelkar with Alina Healthcare Systems. And again, 651-461-9226. We have about five minutes left, so let's try to get through a couple of these, Doctor, before the show ends, and then we'll wrap it up with maybe some advice if people want to go and get tested uh, this texter writes, not all the time, but most of the time when I eat red sauce, whether it's spaghetti or pizza sauce, I wake up with at least one nostril plug. Sometimes it turns into a migraine. What would you call that? Yeah, so red sauce has tomatoes in it, and tomato is acidic, and that can cause silent reflux that will trigger post-nasal drip or nose and sinus congestion, mucus in the throat, especially if you eat it late at night. Mm. Back to your point, don't eat late at night if you can yep. help it. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, how about this? Doctor, my husband gets terrible stomach pains when he eats pasteurized eggs. He can only eat farm fresh eggs. Why would this be? And this sim- the condition didn't start until he was in his 50s. Yes, they, this will again go down to the discussion that we had about food intolerance and food sensitivity, some people can tolerate one form of the food fine, but if the food is in a different form, they won't be able to tolerate it. We will call that as food sensitivity. Keep in mind, this can change over lifetime. So today, this particular person may not be able to tolerate certain type of egg, but this can change in one to two years. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? You have to stay on it. The texture that wrote earlier about drinking red wine wanted to say that that person can drink white wine, and I wonder if it's the red, you know, the grapes, and how the different tastes would affect someone differently. Yeah, sometimes the red wine causes more reactions than white wine. Mm-hmm. That is true. Okay. 
Uh, my sister and I have allergic reactions to perfume and, uh, and a brother who is allergic reactions to flowering plants. Our reaction starts with a runny nose and then a very painful headache. What are we reacting to and is the headache dangerous? We usually have to go to sleep to get relief. Yeah, in medicine, we call that as non-allergic rhinitis or what we call as vasomotor rhinitis because it's more of a nervous reaction. It triggers certain nerves and nerve endings causing this type of reaction. We technically don't call this as allergy. We don't have any allergy tests available for perfumes or strong smells or cigarette smoke Mm. that can trigger nose and sinus issues and headaches. But yes, people can suffer from that. And the best thing to do is avoid exposure to those. But if you do get exposed, you need to get away from the exposure place to reduce reactions and to keep it under control. Yeah, because obviously, I mean, in terms of like medicating for this stuff, it sounds like there aren't necessarily, obviously the the EpiPen that you can use to reverse the anaphylactic shock, right? Is that the one thing you use when someone's having that life-threatening condition? Yeah. So EpiPen is used for life-threatening food allergies. It will not work for this type of a reaction from perfume or cigarette smoke causing headache and nose and sinus congestion and runny nose. And there's nothing to take necessarily for those things? I mean, you could use certain types of nasal sprays, Mm. They will reduce the intensity of reaction, but may not completely stop it. Okay, very good. So a next texter writes, an excellent program today. Um, Well, this is a compliment to you. Uh, The doctor has a talent for explaining things in an understandable way. I learned a lot. Thank you, and doctor. So that was great. Appreciate that. Um, It's nice to hear, isn't it, when you, because really I do think people think, Maybe they lump everything into food allergy and don't think of the three different categories because it seems to me that the intolerance and sensitive part, if it's bothering you and giving you digestive problems or throwing up or diarrhea, just don't eat it. Or is it just not that simple? Yeah, it can get complicated, you know, and one of the things is we have access to information, free information on Internet now. Mm. It's a plus and a minus. The plus is because you can learn a lot. There is free information. There are free YouTube videos, a variety of people explaining, teaching. But at the same time, you need to be able to separate what is the right information and what information may be not very scientific. And that's that's where it gets tricky, and that's where it causes a lot of confusion, especially in the healthcare area. So if someone has a question and they're listening and they have a situation they're dealing with, is it a good idea to, when would you go to your primary doctor and say, listen, I've been struggling with this, What what is your recommendation? If the symptoms are severe, that is affecting your quality of life. For example, if a kid is in a school, cannot focus in the school, cannot sleep at night, or an adult who cannot perform the work-related things or cannot sleep at night, it's affecting your quality of life significantly. You definitely need to see your primary care provider. The other thing I would say is that if you have tried over-the-counter medications and options available to you or some home remedies, and if you are not getting relief, then it's a good idea to see your primary care provider. 
and perhaps end up with you, a specialist, to actually dig a little deeper into exactly what's going on? Yes, that depending on a situation, yes, that will be the next step. Well, we really appreciate your coming on with us. As you heard from listeners, you were very, very uh, explained things quite well, and we really appreciate your time this week on WCCO Radio. Thank you so much, and happy Sunday to all of you. And to you as well, Doctor. Dr. Pramod Kelkar, Alina Health Systems on Allergies. And thanks to everyone who texted in. We'll do this again because we have more questions that we didn't have time to get to. It is 7.56.